Every single right. state has different regulations and you have to comply in your marketing and your branding and your packaging and everything to those state regulations. Hey guys, welcome to the Wine, Whiskey & Read Show. This is your host, Sid Patel. I'm the CEO of Beverage Trade Network and the idea of this podcast is to really give value and actionable insights for you. Today, my guest is Lisa Hurwitz. Lisa has been a multi-channel marketer and has worked with you know one of the big companies, especially uh, her previous job was Grassroots and we're, we'll deep dive into that. And she's right now the president of Happy, a cannabis-infused sparkling water that she's trying to grow nationally as well. So lots, lots to dissect there. And really what I wanted to do, Lisa, with you today was, you know, uh, one hat of the previous role and one hat of your current role and really bring value to our audience. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for Thanks, taking Dave. the time. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me today. Love talking about, I love the title of the show, right? Who doesn't love wine, whiskey, and weed? Thank you. So uh, just a little context on this, you know, I, we used to do this uh, a lot, but then last uh, one and a half years or two years because of the COVID, you know, I tried to go back in, in, in what mattered, which is more of physical events and, you know, things like that stopped as well. So we, we had a little pause on this and then, you know, uh, went into the different direction, but I'm trying to bring this back and you're my first guest after I think one and a half years. So thanks for oh that. My gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I'm honored to be here. That's awesome. Great. And I, I, you know, would love for you to uh, tell our audience a little bit about your role and, you know, and what exactly your day looks like. And just give us a little uh, background about yourself as well, Lisa. Yeah, well, it's great to be here. Um, so I'm a marketer by background. I grew up in the consumer packaged goods industry. So I was an agency person, worked with Procter & Gamble for many years. I was the vice president of marketing, global marketing for Kimberly Clark um, for several years as well. And I've been in cannabis since 2018. Um, my first big role in cannabis was as the chief marketing officer of Grassroots, which for those of your listeners that don't know, a multi-state operator may be commonly referred to as an MSO. We have our share of acronyms in the cannabis world. Um, an MSO that operated in 12 states. And we sold Grassroots about two years ago, almost to the day, um, 20, July 2020, to Cureleaf, which is the largest cannabis operator in the world. So Cureleaf is in a, you know, over 20 states at this point, they're in Europe. Um, and it was really exciting. And for me personally, to be able to move from consumer packaged goods where innovation can take, you know, five years to get onto the market to cannabis, which is like the wild, wild west. I mean, it moves really fast. Every market has different regulations is you know, it's a, it's been a big leap, but there's a lot that you can bring from the practices of can, of consumer packaged goods into cannabis. Um, so, you know, my day at Happy after I left Cureleaf, I started Happy with a partner um, in early 2021, Joe Reynolds. He had this, he and I kind of converged. We had this sort of same idea. I'm very passionate about microdose. Love the emerging beverage format in cannabis. I think it's going to be one of the most popular formats over time. It's great for social occasions. It's great for solo occasions. We'll talk more about kind of that distinction um, as we see the portfolio for Happy. But yeah, we launched Happy in um, last year as a soft launch in Michigan. Michigan is one of the most highly regulated mm -hmm. cannabis beverage markets on the country, just with testing and regulations right now. And Happy will be in our second market in Maine um, in, you know, by the end of the summer, which we're really excited about. So you asked about a typical day for me um, in the world of a cannabis executive. It's a little bit of everything, right? I mean, today I'm here with you 
you know, this morning we had an op ops meeting about our production in um, Michigan and when it's going to be back on the market. You know, we've had a lot of, we've been sold out in Michigan now for a few weeks, which has been a bit of a challenge. Um, and just keeping that production, you know, up given that it's in such high demand, which is mm -hmm. a great thing, but also very challenging. And Michigan has over 300 dispensaries. So being able to supply every dispensary, you know, with the highest quality product, which is our goal, you know, takes a lot of uh, time and effort. So this morning was about mm -hmm. operations in the state of Michigan. I'm here doing this podcast with you. I have, um, you know, meetings this afternoon with our PR firm about our launch in Maine. Um, we have created, um, again, I'm on the marketing. I typically focus a lot on the marketing side. We have investor calls. So it's it's a lot of different things. I would say I wear a lot of different hats that probably feels very familiar to a lot of the entrepreneurs on the phone. Um, but also I, I lean heavily in the sort of marketing, go-to-market strategy um, world as well. Got it. I think a couple of things come to my mind is, you know, when when uh, it looks like Happy, your beverage brand that, you know, you guys are out there trying to build has a big uh, vision or, you know, I'm sure because to bring someone like you, you know, that experience and sort of that, you know, financial commitments that your company is making, uh, it looks like it's a, it's not so bootstrapped way. It's, it's got that whole, uh, you know, like a big company operating methods. But yes, it, it is a matter of time where Happy is going to be big, you know, uh, but but it looks like they've got a team and you're trying to do exactly like, you know, a big professional CPG brand would roll out. Uh, so walk me over, you know, uh, what's your philosophy of, you know, uh, really how, how like still the market is so small, right? What I'm trying to say is it's still small. Like when we say planning and this and that, it's still talking about very less numbers here, you know, uh, yeah. when it comes to sales, especially in the drinks industry. So someone like you, you know, uh, in, in being president and sort of rolling this out, uh, I expect the numbers to catch up, you know, uh, after one year or two years. What's your, what's the relationship with time and the marketing and the, the whole play here? You know, if, if, if you yeah, it, it's a great question. And thanks for recognizing that. I mean, I think one of my big observations in cannabis is it's, you know, since I've been in it for four years, it's getting, you know, a little bit more tightened up, but it's pretty fast and loose. And it's interesting because most cannabis companies will tell you they want to be CPG companies or they want to sell to Steph their exit strategy, right? They want to sell to CPG companies, but they're not built like that. So I think the big question is how are they going to sell? You know, most CPG companies, frankly, are not going to buy a series of single state weed farms. I mean, that's mm. just not the business model of consumer packaged goods. It's all about having, you know, a single way to sort of scale the business. Yeah. So I, I think, it, you know, building, building happy as a CPG company, even though we're, you know, we're only five people full time, right? It, it is still a small company. It's bootstrapped in many ways. It's entrepreneurial, but we're doing it the right way from the very beginning. And that mm -hmm. is on both the marketing and on the operations side. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. One of the benefits of launching in Michigan is that it's the most highly regulated beverage market in the country for cannabis. So it's forced us, one of the regulations says you have to be manufacturers factored in a facility that's GMP certified and GMP is good manufacturing practices. So a lot of your listeners who are in the beverage industry, mainstream beverage industry or CPG will recognize that term. That's not required in, you know, 90% of the U S markets that are adult use. So I think making sure our operations and all our standard operating procedures, our SOPs, like everything is built towards 
what will eventually be like FDA regulations is huge. So we've got yeah. standard operating procedures built like in a very tight way that any manufacturer in any part of the country could take and say, oh, I can, I can, you know, do happy. And we just proved it from signing of a, a deal to launch in Maine is going to be about 10 weeks. Yeah. And that's because we've tightened up our processes, ingredients, formulations, everything has like a, a clear operating procedure. On the marketing side, we also know how to scale businesses, right? I know how to scale in the cannabis industry. Grassroots was in 12 states. And I almost think it's akin more to my Kimberly Clark days when I was doing international markets, which is fascinating, right? So if you want to take Huggies, which was true, or Kotex, I worked on all these brands, and you want Huggies to be in the UK and China and, you know, all over South America, like other than the translation piece, Cannabis is very similar. Every single right. state has different regulations and you have to comply in your marketing and your branding and your packaging and everything to those state regulations. Yeah. So you basically figure out, you know, and this is what I've learned from Procter and Gamble and, and Kimberly Clark, like you, you basically figure out what is the core of your brand and your business and your you know, identity, and then you scale it, you know, to those markets. So you may have to put a marijuana symbol on your packaging in Maine that doesn't exist in Michigan. You may have to spell the word marijuana differently in some markets. You may be able to say certain things, cannabis in some markets, marijuana in other markets. I'm not actually joking, right? But the leaf can only appear on packaging in some markets. So there's a lot of nuances, but the core of Happy's brand and how we built it doesn't change. And once again, we have all of that documented. We've got really strong brand guidelines. We know who we are as a company. We have a clear strategy, portfolio strategy and innovation strategy, again, which happy to talk more about. So building all of that foundational work, I strongly believe is going to pay off when the cannabis markets open up yeah. and you know, outside capital, the big beverage players, the big CPG players, outside capital can really come into the industry. I think they're yeah. going to look for companies that are a little bit more scalable and buttoned up than those that are not. True. Good point. I think there's lots to dissect there. That's exactly where my brain was going, which is your personal value would be like a meeting with Target or Kroger's eventually, right? Like on on how they roll and on how they sort of do their things, you know, SKUs to the whole merchandising and all that stuff. Shelf sets and planograms. I mean, we talk about that stuff. Yeah. But it's so... If you walked into a dispensary in most markets in the US today, they think you're crazy to talk about that. But... Thinking ahead towards that, like when we designed the happy packaging and especially the new stuff that's coming out, like we designed it in a shelf set. So it yeah. would appear on a shelf somewhere eventually, right? So True. it's those types of things. Exactly. I get it. I 100% get it. So let's let's go on a couple of things I wanted to ask is, you know, the marketing plan, right? So uh, we're going to uh, have more you as a president of happy right now. And so that way, some young cannabis brands can relate to so what should a small company, let's say, you know, a smaller size, which is maybe your size right now, which uh, the happy, uh, you know, marketing plan should look like, you know, a 10 page marketing plan, a one year marketing plan. What are some elements that you would tell them to have it and, you know, run a checklist on? Yeah. So number one is know your consumer. I mean, that's okay. the number one thing I learned from Procter & Gamble. Like, who's your target audience? And it's amazing to me how many cannabis companies will be like, well, it's just whoever's going to buy it. And, and what are the right questions to come to that? To get to who's your, who, yeah, who is, you know, yes, there's, there's a, a big cannabis market out there today and everyone's going to tell you, Sid, 
that it could be your 75 year old grandmother and it could be, you know, your 22 year old college senior, right? And, and everybody in between. And, and that's just age demographics. And that's entirely true of the cannabis category today. But if you try to be everything to everyone as a, as a marketer and brand, you dilute yourself. So I think the core is who's your design target? Like if you had to envision when you're designing your products, and again, I'll take you through how Happy did this. When you're designing your products, when you're designing your marketing, when you're designing your packaging, like everything you're thinking about, who is the person you have in your mind? Because you're not going to, it's not going to look the same if you're designing for a 75-year-old grandmother as it is if you're designing for a 22-year-old college student. It's just not, right? I mean, that's a very different brand. So you may want that halo to be across that entire group, but you have to have your design target in mind. So I would say, and Happy's is women. And it's a, it's women very much in my demographic, right? So it's sort of that sweet spot of, a, you know, maybe a 40-year-old w- woman that has children who wants to cut down when we're seeing this left and right, cut down on her alcohol consumption, might be that wine mom, right? I think is that stereotype of that mom that winds down at the end of the day with a glass of wine, or she goes out and has rosé with her friends or whatever that may be. Like that is squarely Happy's target. And so Bye. as we think about her needs, her, her, like what flavors does she like? What's going to appeal to her? Like cannabis is still somewhat scary to this woman, female target. So we're never going to design a product that's a hundred milligrams. I'm never going to be catering to that market, which exists. So for this woman as well, there are, there's women who's not into cannabis as well, right? It's part of your consumer. They are trying to try it and uh you know that's also your consumer right like a like a wine drinker who's never tried cannabis a hundred percent and so what's going to get her to try to try cannabis a couple things Mm. right she also you also have to think about where else she shops she may be a target shopper she most likely shops at grocery stores maybe a whole foods right Mm. she's she's at the point in her life where she may want all natural. So, so happy is all natural. It's vegan. It's very low in carbohydrates and sugar. So you're not going to get her again. Like I see the cannabis products on the market. And a lot of people will tell you there's growth in the beverage side in a hundred milligrams plus or 50 milligrams plus they're very sugary drinks typically, right? There's high sugar. This woman is not in her life. Doesn't structure it that way. She's pretty healthy. She's into health and wellness. So we've, we've looked at two sides of our business there for this woman, the social, the the social side, which is that alcohol replacement. So you have to get into her head and think, okay, if she's going to sit down and replace a glass of wine with a cannabis beverage, what does she want in that beverage, right? Like what is going, and you want it to mimic the effect of a glass of wine. You want it. And you also want to give her choices in THC percentage to, so she can kind of start to understand her tolerance. Cause you know, THC mm-hmm. is going to be a little different than alcohol and we have formulated happy to mimic a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. However, you know, everybody's endocannabinoid systems are different, right? That's one of the things I learned in cannabis. And so two and a half milligrams to me may have no effect, mm-hmm. but two and a half milligrams to another woman might be like a huge amount, might feel like two or three glasses of wine. So we start the happy portfolio at two and a half milligrams. That's what's on the market in Michigan today. We'll be introducing five milligrams and all the way up to 10. And that will give the happy, you know, consumer the opportunity to see, okay, what works for me? I would say the other side of the the portfolio for her besides alcohol replacement in this social occasion is 
you know, she's using, how is she using wine? She's using wine to wind down, right? Mm -hmm. It may be in front of Netflix at the end of a long day. It may be, you know, a lot of women use it to sleep, which Mm -hmm. is a little scary because alcohol can have that adverse effect where you, you know, it may sedate you in the beginning, but then it wakes you up at night. So we've looked at two needs she has. One is a little bit more about anxiety reduction and overall wellness. And we were introducing a product in August called Happy Glow. And it's full of really cool cannabinoids um, that are kind of new to market and very new to market in the context of a beverage. It's got CBG, which is anti-inflammatory, CBD, which I think everybody is very familiar with, CBN, which helps with relaxation and sleep and THC and some lion's mane mushrooms. So this really gets into the more functional beverage side. And we're also launching a sleep beverage called Happy Dreams, which is a one-to-one with THC and CBN, and that'll be coming out in the fall. And again, looking at with, I, I would never, if I was going after a 22 year old male who is a heavy stoner, I would design everything very differently. So So, I got it. I got it. So basically you have this woman and you know, you have uh, her buying habits. You have, you want what you want her to, you know, happen and what kind of utilities you listed it all down. Right now. uh, I believe that you have a SOP with checks that, okay, is this social media, Instagram post according to the whole, you know, persona of your buyer, you know, of yes. your, and then you have some checklist, which, uh, you know, they have to make sure that there is a social calendar, let's say a monthly plan. And then it's all the copyright and the caption and the creative is matching that thing. Right. So that's fine. That's great. Now, what about the the timelines? Like the first couple of weeks, what kind of post would you be doing? What kind of messaging you're throwing out? And then, you know, once you get a placement in, let's say a cure, cure lift, right, right. How are you helping them to kick off that? How are you helping them in marketing to deplete your stock and so on? So maybe just walk us through the timelines of, of your plan. Sure. Yeah. And we're already on the market in Michigan. So I, you know, in terms of like launch, we've been out there. We, we always go out with an awareness message. So one of the things we learned, which is really interesting in beverage specifically, is it's a whole new category. So we're actually, we have billboards out right now, for example, that say drinkable cannabis, because people don't even know that cannabis comes in a beverage format. Edibles, Mm. everybody knows about edibles, right? You know, you take a gummy and we can discuss that experience separately, but people don't even know that you can, that it's available as a, so it's kind of a step of awareness. Number one is category awareness. Cannabis can be in a drink period. Okay. Then say hello to happy, meet happy. Michigan is my happy place. Like we've got a lot of language that talks about. So you connect with the market. You're trying to, you know, connect emotionally with that state and area. Yep. And I'm new to cannabis, et cetera. Then it's about going out to these dispensaries. Education of the bud tenders is really critical. I imagine this is very similar in the alcohol industry. You need to educate the staff, right? That's selling your product. What makes this wine or beer different? Same with cannabis. Like What's actually in here? What should people ask for? Um, Thinking about the store experience, cannabis has to be bought. Happy has to be bought in a dispensary. And dispensary experience is not like a liquor store, right? You can't walk around. So that's a big difference. So they have to point out that I want happy, right? So it's really like an inbound sale. Like it's it's like you have to be a brand sort of more than, you know, uh, just uh, merchandising tricks. Yes. And then there's the online menus, which became very, very popular during COVID, right? A lot of people get delivery or order on, they don't even go into the store. They order online and they do curbside pickup. That became really popular during COVID. So, you know, there's a myriad of places you have to show up. You have to show up on the online menu. 
describe what happy is, make sure people understand it there. Then in the store, we have mini fridges in many stores, but again, they're, the dispensaries weren't built. They're not, they don't have huge refrigerated sections. Like, Got it. Yeah. you know, and you can, can you do store tastings like wine and spirits uh, or it's not allowed? You can do non-infused tastings. Um, okay. So it would be the flavor profile of our different happy flavors, but without any of the THC or like or for the events and trade shows that we normally do sort of things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Got it. Uh, what What about uh, depletion support or, you know, are there meetings like that happening, like how it's in wine industry that, hey, you, you buy five cases and I'll do this for you. I'll come this Friday and Saturday and do a tasting or, you know, those kind of things. Yes, we do um, like a lot of dispensary, you know, we call them vendor days where we have big dispensary partners in a market and we will go and we'll talk about happy. We'll do again the the. THC free, we call it tasting of the mm. flavors without the THC. And again, it's a lot of education. I mean, cannabis, everybody knows alcohol. It's been around for a really long time, you know, a hundred years cannabis. There's a, a, there's a lot of stigma still in the market and a lot of misperceptions about it, but B there's just not a lot of education out there. People don't really understand it. I walked to, I'll give you a good anecdote. I walked into a dispensary in Michigan last week. Um, I always like to visit our dispensaries and there were three women squarely in happiest demographic. And I could hear them. They were in town. It was more of a tourist like area, kind of a summer area by the lake. And they were asking each other, like, well, how much do we take and what should we buy? And, and I couldn't help myself because I love it. And I, you know, and I sort of interrupted them and said, well, what, what, you know, how are you looking to feel and how are you looking to use cannabis? Is it in a social setting? You got, you know, is it as to sleep? Is it on the beach, you know, by the lake one afternoon? And again, then talking to them about the different options. But that's really, you just have to get in the mind of the consumer. And there's your first time consumer. And then the other piece to the dispensaries is they have a customer traffic coming in, which is usually the higher THC and typically more male consumer uh, is who's shopping. And so how do you get him to purchase happy for, for his the wife, wife yeah. mother, yeah. his sister. Exactly. And that's mm. that giftable piece, which I think is pretty unique to beverage. I mean, edibles may work, but nobody's going to, I mean, unless they're really hardcore, nobody's going to be gifting vape pens or flour. Mm. Um, I, I think beverages are, you know, like you bring a bottle of wine to a barbecue, you would bring a four pack of happy to a barbecue. All right. Got it. Got it. Super. Uh, about sales, right? Like, uh, I guess I'm sure at, at happy you're involved with everything. So, you know, uh, building a sales team, hiring sales people, and you know, you, what's your spiel, right? So let's go there. You know, when you when you pitch to a dispensary, what kind of a five minute spiel that you've given to the salespeople? What is a good way to approach dispensaries and pure cold calling, right? We're talking about if you're knocking doors. What what are your tips for this uh, sales reps? Yeah. So again, like know what makes your product different. Um, okay. I think is really important and because they get pitched a lot of products all the time. Lucky enough for us with Happy, we were the first and still one of two ready to drink infused beverages on the market. So that makes it relatively easy to say, I, I want some space. Now, that being said, I think another tricky thing that's different in the cannabis industry is vault space. So all THC products have to be locked in a vault in a dispensary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how small edibles are or vape cartridges, like drinks are way bigger. So you're asking yeah. a lot of them to give you vault. It's not even, sh- it's like the equivalent of shelf space in the real yeah. world is vault space in the cannabis world. Right. So 
I think um, that's a big ask. And it's like, well, why, why should you do this? And so you yeah. have, have to explain to them, our consumer is, is new. We're going to bring new traffic to your store. We're going to bring new, new consumers into your store that aren't the same ones that are coming time and time again. And that's a big deal for you because you want to grow your store sales. We want to grow our happy sales. And there's a partnership. We're also going to give them, you know, marketing materials. We're going to give them swag, you know, all of that kind of stuff to really make. And we'll do events to your point, like vendor days and, mm. and things like that. But for us, it's really about growing the category. And happy as a microdose beverage really helps grow the category in a way that high testing flour does not. And have you done any of uh, uh, data backed up activities where hey, this this ten people that just walked in the Saturday for lunch hour, you know, they, they were because of my activity, uh, which we did on social media or any other ways. But have you have you have you got data to back up for dispensaries when you go? Yeah, so we we do. And we also have some like, so for example, I mentioned billboards earlier, like we have a unique URL on our billboards. We have three billboards in Michigan right now in different God. cities around the state, and they have a unique URL. So we know who's hitting our website from like that particular channel, for example. Um, you know, we'll do certain events with like, we'll do a gift with purchase or certain events with dispensaries yep. and, we can you know, see the spike in sales. We can see, I mean, the, the most effective for us are events at dispensaries typically, because you can go right there and purchase the product, right. True, true. Or very close by, um, you know, again, it's, I will say it's been really tricky with COVID because, you know, knowing which events are on or off, um, it's just been kind of a crapshoot over the past 18 months in terms yep. of in-person events really driving. Too many laws changing here and there. We don't know what, what sort of thing. What about the uh, uh, the in, in wine industry, you know, normal sales route is like knocking 80 accounts a week. Sort of Monday is, you know, taking the new new product out there. Friday is more like supporting them with the depletions and tastings and repo, you know, just like going out and saying hello to people. What does a typical route of a cannabis sales trip look like? for a week. Yeah. So we have, you know, it's, I, I don't know if you tier accounts in the wine industry, right? Like you may have, so we'll, for example, I'll give you Michigan. Like we have a number of accounts that have 10 or more stores. Some have 40 right. stores in the state, right? So those are like our big sort of tier one accounts. And we have like relationship manager specifically for like our bigger accounts. Um, and she's, visiting them, dropping in on the bud tenders, saying hi, asking questions, looking at our competition, all of that. Um, and then we, you know, we work with manufacturers in every state. So Happy yeah. doesn't own a cannabis license. We own the formulation and all that, but we work with manufacturers. They have sales teams as well. So typically we'll work with their sales team for some of the other accounts um, within the state. Got it. And then I would, uh, I would call this like a market kickoff, right? Where you would go there, have a sales meeting, pump them up, tell them the spiel objections and so on. And then you, you ride the market with their reps for the first week or so. hundred percent. And that's actually exactly what's happening in Maine next week. So Maine's a perfect example. It's a new market for us. Happy's not there. There's a few infused beverages, not many. Yep. Um, so our retail relationship manager, she's flying to Maine on Monday. She'll go to all the high priority stores, ride around, have those conversations, introduce happy, let them, you know, try the beverage, get them familiar with the brand, what it is, who our target consumer is, what it is we're trying to do, how to talk about happy, yep. talking points, all of that. And then within two weeks after that, they will be, it will be in those stores for their consumers. 
super Alyssa. I think time's flying. What I want I really had so many questions to ask, but that's okay. Let, let, yeah. Great. Yeah, it's just uh, we'll have to wrap this up in five, 10 minutes max. So I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, if there were like 10 things that you would really, really tell your own sales reps, you know, to focus on and, you know, like really dotting the I's and crossing the T's sort of thing, right? What would that be? And then uh, you can talk about, you know, for the people who are doing marketing, the same thing. So there's a strong sort of take of at least for people in sales and marketing. Yeah. So I think, listen, the key more so in cannabis, definitely, you know, you may walk into a wine store, you know, wine and beer store or grocery store. You probably kind of know what wine you like and you may or may not talk to a sales rep. In cannabis, the bud tenders are the key to everything. So building those relationships is critical because as you mentioned, Sid, cannabis is behind the counter in most states and most stores. And you have to have that one-to-one -one interaction with a bud tender in order to actually purchase the product, right? Because they have to get it out of the vault or wherever it may be in that store for you. So I think what I would say to the sales reps is they are the key. Have them, they need to be brand ambassadors for Happy. They need to love Happy. And we've seen it play out. We have a couple of particular stores in Michigan Funny enough, one of them is, or a few of them are managed by women and they love this product. They drink it themselves. They, and so as a result, they often buy it over and over again, but then they're the biggest brand ambassadors for us in the store, mm. right? Someone will come in and say, I want something like this. And they don't know what they want. And they'll say, oh, you should try happy. So we need the bud tenders to act like brand ambassadors for happy. That's what I would tell my Salesforce. I think that's the most, they're the gatekeepers in the cannabis industry um, with that consumer relationship right now. You can't buy cannabis. You know, online is tricky. Again, you can do it, but it's not like an e-com business where you just get it. It's not Amazon where you, you don't have to talk to anybody, right? I mean, this is yeah. a high touch, high touch industry. Um, and so your question then on the on the marketing side is, you know, I would tell my marketing team, like, you've got to know who you are. I mean, we know exactly who happy is, as I mentioned, not only the consumer, but like, what makes us different as a brand, right? You know, and I think it's really important. Happy is, you know, meant to be, to kind of be a wellness oriented drink. It's not just to go get super stoned and super high and feel out of your mind. And so I think knowing the core of your brand um, and knowing which, like I, we talk about all the time, there's a happy for every occasion it's an optimistic brand. It's a cheerful brand. Like all of that is very documented and we go back to it routinely. We just launched, we have every flavor has a personality. We just, we're about to launch lime wild mint in Maine, which is going to be one of our newest flavors. And we just said, okay, what is, what is lime? And it's the word we came back with is vibrant. And we know that to be true of everyone. So, so how do you market a vibrant product, right? What does that mean? And I think we're, we stay true to the, to the strategy from the beginning. Um, and we really know who we are as a brand, who we're talking to. And I think that's important because you can get very distracted in cannabis. You can, there's a, you know, I've seen a lot of brands, particularly out of California, where there's just, a, it's such a competitive market where they've gone from being, you know, low dose, two and a half milligrams. And suddenly now they're, they're launching thousand milligram mints and you're like, Whoa, wh wh what are you? Right. And mm -hmm. I think you, you have to have a strategy and you sort of have to stick with it um, until it's really not working and then you pivot. But if you, again, if you try to be everything to everyone, I, I think you get nobody. Super. I think, I mean, personally, I've, you know, I think we're, we're pretty much, you know, done, but if you want to add uh, anything else, you want to speak for happy as well, you know, you can, 
go ahead. Uh, but I wanted to ask about like, you know, it's so hard to be patient in in brand building communication, and then you don't see transactional activities happening, like sales not coming, you know, and then you just disturb your whole marketing plan, right? Like you come from a very I think big uh, brand approach. So how are you being patient with your marketing when you see that the numbers just don't justify, like literally, you know, uh, like how, how, how long are you planning to hold your breath? It's a great question. It's funny because innovation happens really, really fast. Those products I just mentioned to you, I mean, we formulated them and they'll be on the market within like three months of conception, maybe four months. That never happens in the traditional industry. But to your point, when you put a new product on the market, usually in consumer packaged goods, it's tested and vetted. And so it, it sells right away. Mm. Distribution, the networks are there. It happens right away. Um, cannabis is tough. You know, I think I'm the most, the biggest challenge for us has been consistent production, um, especially in the state of Michigan. And then having to expand state by state and having to find a new manuf anybody who wants to expand state by state in cannabis, you have to find a new manufacturing partner in every state. And that is the most challenging. Um, so sales have not been a challenge. It's production. Um, it product, well, production leads to sales. So one and two oh, limited production, limited production has, um, artificially limited our sales. We are about to upgrade to a far faster canning line and far more sophisticated manufacturing um, plan, which I think is going to accelerate for us. The category in Michigan has been more of a soft launch mode, getting getting it all right. Um, and then when we go to Maine, I think we'll see some strong sales there too, kind of right off the bat is my hope. But it does take a lot of patience. And I think, you know, cannabis overall takes a lot of patience, especially these days, mm -hmm. right? It's been very little legislation. It is, you, you have to do the groundwork and you have to be okay, you know, really doing the grind of getting into a new state and set, it's almost like you set up a whole business from scratch over and over and over again, every time you go into a new state and it, it's frustrating, but when you see the product in the wild and you see yeah. people and you get the consumer feedback, it makes it worth it. Super. I'm sure, you know, all the best. I'm sure you'll make it happen. I can, I can see it. You know, you have all this experience and I think you you look like a true entrepreneur as well. So well, thank you, um, Sid. I appreciate the time. And just one quick plug, happyhourdrink.com or find us on Instagram at happyhourdrink. Those are the places. Um, again, we are on the market in Michigan. We'll have greater distribution in August. Um, and in Maine, we will be new to market in August with some exciting new products and flavors. So come find us. Super. And I think uh, you're coming to Cannabis uh, Drinks Expo on August 2nd in Chicago. So especially for the Chicago people out there, you know, do check them out there. Yes, so thank we'd you. love to see you there. And thanks for having me there. Excited to see. I'll be sitting on a panel. I'll plug my fellow panelists for the Illinois Women in Cannabis who are sponsoring us. Wendy Berger, who is on the board of Green Thumb of GTI and Megan Anderson, who I know is going to be on your show um, shortly. So excited to have an all female panel talking about how you build a, a beverage brand, which is exciting. Super. Thanks a lot, Lisa, for your time. Thank we'll you, talk Sid. soon. We'll, we'll catch up there in person. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Th thanks.